we go through a bunch of filters before we're ever in interviews with someone. And um, a lot of times it's, it's not even that it's necessarily like um, um, a lack of culture fit from the standpoint of like, uh, wow, we wouldn't get along with this person. That's not necessarily the case, but it's like, what are they, what are their motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, are we driven by the same thing? Are we getting up in the morning based on the same goals? This is the Job Stories Podcast, how people find work that matters. If you don't mind, just to get us right off the bat, get us started, tell us what your job is now. What do you do now and for who? Yes, for sure. So uh, I'm Trevor Hinesley. My job is CTO. So I'm one of the co-founders of Soundstrike uh, based in Nashville, Tennessee. We were... um, me and both of my co-founders, um, Micah Sannon and Travis Terrell, we were all former professional touring and session musicians. Um, you know, we, we cut our teeth in that world, but we also became intimately familiar with the pain points associated with it and how difficult it is to make a living in music. Um, sure, being in Nashville, you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. um, either personally or vicariously, but it is definitely a tough industry. And, um, you know, while I toured, the, the entire time, actually, I was working remotely as a software engineer. So that was paying my bills. And that was uh, it's a huge passion of mine. Um, you know, my my degree, I actually um, studied audio engineering and computer science. So I was very involved in the you know technical side on in the audio world as well. Um, and uh, which has actually helped nicely with what I'm doing today. But the, the long story short is um, over the course of my touring career, uh, I was working uh, full time on a retainer with an app agency towards the the end of my touring stint. Um, this is one of my final jobs for Soundstripe. And um, while I was doing that, I had made some freelance clients um, uh, on the side, and I had I was introduced to who are my now business partners, Mike and Travis, uh, through one of my freelance clients. That ultimately led to again, I found kindred spirits in them. They had this idea for trying to create, you know, a new way. Um, kind of like a new version of what we think of as a music company. So we, you know, I, uh, we'd all kind of done the rigmarole, been signed to uh, labels or played with label acts and been very familiar with how that world works. But we were trying to um, really create like a middle-class or supplemental income uh, for artists that, you know, they're the, the classic, um, you know, 0.1% of the Katy Perry's and Justin Bieber's of the world. Like that is, that model works and has been done. It's very difficult, obviously, but it was really the only one that existed. You know, we obviously have a new crop of independent artists that are coming up, but we wanted to create sort of like a, a nine to five uh, or even like contract positions for musicians. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, we thought we could do that through solving pain points for creators. You know, every at this point, this was 2015, uh, when they were kind of pitching the idea to me, um, everyone with an iPhone had become a creator, you know, and that's even exacerbated much further now, uh, especially with platforms like TikTok and such. But that was what we were doing. We were trying to create a real high quality music library, serve it on a subscription, very similar to a Netflix model. Mm. Um, And so I came on as a technical co-founder. We launched in 2016 and now we have about uh, 70-ish full-time employees distributed. I think we're like 18 states across the country. So we're, we, you know, we've built out a, a team that, um, that I'm really proud of, but it's also, you know, we, we bootstrapped for the first two years. So we knew, um, we were very familiar with scraping by to make it work. Um, you know, we proved out the business model first and then 
Um, we've gone the, the VC backed route at this point. So we've kind of seen all sides of it. Mm. And um, as we've evolved my job today, uh, again, I mentioned I'm the CTO, but um, I have a VP of engineering who handles a lot of uh, the day-to-day oversight of our technical execution. And um, we work together on the scaling of the team and what our org chart is going to look like, et cetera, as well as our tech stack and uh, more like higher level architectural decisions there. But most of my day-to-day is spent on, um, you know, uh, biz dev on the tech side. So meeting with companies, finding new technologies that we may be able to benefit from. Um, again, from a high level, helping to build out the team, making sure that externally we're getting enough exposure and that we're, um, you know, showing people a lot of the cool stuff we're doing over at Soundstripe. Um, and then in addition, I also uh, act as sort of like an R&D function within the company. So sometimes that means bringing in team members. Sometimes that means me just spiking out projects on the side. Um, but that's, that's a lot of what I do on day to day. Yeah, that's awesome. On the entrepreneurial side, because I've been a fan since I learned about you a couple years ago and just seeing y'all's growth so quickly, what feels like in the last couple of years, entrepreneurially, this may be for some entrepreneurs out there. What do you think, this may be a tough question to answer, but what's, what's, is there something you can point to that's like, hey, yeah, I think us doing that has a, is a large part of kind of our growth. It maybe could be a cultural answer. I don't know. Is there something that you can point to that say, hey, I'm actually glad we did this because it's really helped us get to where we are today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. The biggest thing we point to is culture. So before mm-hmm. we had ever hired an employee. And ironically, I don't even think we had a paying customer at this time. Uh, Travis, one of my business partners wrote a, I mean, it was about a 40 page culture deck, uh, you know, kind of taking the same concept as like Netflix's, um, the, they have a culture deck online Mm -hmm. and he wrote this out, presented it to me and Micah. And of course, I mean, (laughs) you know, we were like, we're like, dude, we don't even have any customers yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's okay. We'll figure that out. Yeah. And he's like, I'm telling you, this will be incredibly important. Mm. And um, never have I eaten words more because uh, it 100% has been the cornerstone foundation of our business. So we all cared about the same core values. You know, whether we had written it down or not, we knew where we were headed and what our North Stars were. But that became the thing we could point to for new team members and say, like, this is the ship we're on and where we're going and what we care about if you care about these same things, you should join us, you know? Mm. Um, and that became, I mean, especially as the team has grown, like we, we are not a company with hundreds or even thousands of employees, obviously, but um, we've gotten a lot bigger and it's also a lot different being fully remote now. Mm. Um, and that has been the glue that has held us together is that mm. focus on culture. So we have 10 core values. And um, I know when I say that, look like Enron, I think had core values on their wall, like mm. that everyone has that, mm. but we literally quote these while we're doing making hiring decisions, business decisions, product roadmap decisions. Like this comes up all the time. Uh, team members from individual contributors to leadership reference these as like, um, like one is develop and practice honest communication. So if we're dropping the ball there and collaboration is sucking at the time, someone will say something and say like, look, we need to step it up here. This is one of our values. Mm. Um, or if we're, um, you know, we're debating on like, is this good enough to launch or whatever done is better than perfect. That's another core value of ours. Like these genuinely come up all the time and they actually help um, even from like a founder standpoint, you know, part of our job is capital allocation. Like where are we spending our money in our business to grow it? And uh, in a way that's, you know, rising tides affects all ships. That's helping uh, all the initiatives that we're, uh, that we're aiming towards working on. And 
when that happens, I mean, we, even in financial decisions, we'll reference those. So I, again, whether it's um, actual team culture building, whether it's business decisions, trajectory stuff, um, that has been, I mean, the biggest linchpin since we've started. Yeah. You even said the word, we talk about this a lot with guests too, but it seems like um, the North star phrase that you said is the most important, right? If you're kind of North stars there and your why is there, then kind of everything else can fall into place, but you do have to have that. Have you yeah. kind of seen that even through not only with Soundstripe as a company, but through your career starting in music and then creating Soundstripe? Have you had kind of a North Star that you've hung to and like, hey, this is how I make my decisions even as you're professionally? Absolutely. Um, I would actually say one of the biggest, uh, I don't think people give this enough credit, but for me, uh, you know, I have my my own core value system, right? And again, it's actually very aligned with our companies. Mm-hmm. So um, we focus on a lot of things that are, like, I mean, communication, that's a hallmark of any relationship, professional mm-hmm. or personal, right? Sure. And I mentioned that that communication core value. Um, but there's other stuff, like our number one core value is actually provide all customers with whimsical and genuine care. And those words were picked very carefully because mm-hmm. whimsical is an odd one, but that's like, we're, our, our brand color is pink. Like we're a bunch of goofballs. And like, that was big to us is to like bring joy to customers. You know, mm-hmm. like some of my favorite experiences have been like, I mean, I grew up going to Disney World and like, that's like that, that went, that's part of like the lifeblood throughout, you know, the founders, but then especially the whole team, that's something we've carried with us. And that's, that's a core value to me. Uh, keep it light was another one of our business core values that points to the same thing. So, um, for me, it was, as I've gone throughout my career, when I was even back to being a, you know, when I first started getting into music, I was 11 or 12 and I became obsessed. I mean, that was all I wanted to do was tour and play music from the Mm -hmm. time I was a kid. And, um, as I got older, that was still my focus, but into my early twenties, as I started doing that and like, uh, you know, felt like I was achieving my bucket list goals there. I literally, I hit a point where I was like, this isn't, this isn't as fulfilling uh, you know, after a while, I was like, this isn't as, isn't as fulfilling because my passion was actually shifting to entrepreneurship. Like mm. I loved, uh, and music is still my baby. I mean, like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I still write music. I love biggest fan in the world. Um, but, uh, my passion, like my drive professionally was, uh, was shifting. And going back to your question, I think one of the, one of the biggest North stars I've had, um, and what I was kind of starting this little monologue off on really is, uh, for me, gut, like I've, I've been a big proponent of trust your gut. Mm. Um, something my dad taught me early on because, um, he is actually involved in the business world. He's a business owner, has been for 40 years, I think. Um, and one of the things he taught me growing up was like, um, you know, as long as your moral compass is aligned, you should trust your gut because it's usually telling you where to go. Mm. And that's been huge for me. I mean, even back to, I had to quit my band at arguably what was around our height and, I was still touring for the first year of Soundstripe and we, the company was growing so fast that I was like, okay, I have to, I've got to make a decision. If I'm going to be a founder in this, I I need to be around or I need to pass that hat off to someone else, you know? Um, And I quit my band and it was totally a gut thing. Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like, I knew I needed to be comfortable with uh, leaving the road. And if the band I, I don't know, got on Jimmy Kimmel the next day, I had to be able to sleep with that. You know, mm. like I made that decision to leave. Mm. And um, thankfully I'm still like best friends with everyone I was in that band with. I uh, saw them last weekend actually, but mm. that decision for me um, 
was gut. I knew what my gut was leaning me towards. I sat on it for months and I was like, this is the right choice. Uh, and I made it, it was a tough one. Um, but my whole career has been based around that, whether I've left jobs, um, gone towards another one, hard decisions are hard for a reason. Like there's always a lot of times you're stuck between two seemingly good choices. Um, but outside of like my core values, which again, those are very aligned with even our company values. Uh, the things I care about, which is keeping it light, um, maintaining a work-life balance, um, you know, trying to be a person of integrity, like making sure that I'm living out what I'm talking about. Those are all important to me as core values in my life. But as far as like uh, career trajectory, honestly, <clears throat> trusting my gut, it's been mm -hmm. a huge one. That's excellent. What? So shifting kind of our focus to the candidate side, um, what is your company's process for judging candidates not only on their technical skills but also sure. on it sounds like um some of those other values are equally as important yeah. to you so how yeah. do you how do you judge that and how do you because i understand like if you need python developed you don't need somebody that knows java you need somebody that knows python sure. so like um how do you judge and walk that fine line in between like they're really solid on technical but whoa they don't understand our culture mm -hmm. or they understand our culture but they can't do technical so how do you how do you yeah. go about judging that and assessing that and yeah that's a great question i think i think the screening process is like paramount because yeah. uh you know we go through a bunch of filters before we're ever in interviews with someone and um a lot of times it's it's not even that it's necessarily like um um, a lack of culture fit from the standpoint of like, uh, wow, we wouldn't get along with this person. That's not necessarily the case, but it's like, what are they, what are their motivations, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are, are we driven by the same thing? Are we getting up in the morning based on the same goals? And, um, like that plays into how well they're going to collaborate, right? Like if we, again, if going back to that North star thing, if we know that our goal, our mission as a business is to keep creators creating. So if we know that that's our, that's our mission, that's our goal, that's where we're headed, that's kind of like the um, the bumper rails at a bowling alley, if you will. Like that's that's what keeps us on the track, no matter which pivots or direction changes we have. You know, um, if we know that uh, that we share core values with someone, that's a huge filter that we have to get through. And I would argue, like, you know, um, going back to the question about um, you know deciding between that or um, or making concessions based on that or technical talent, et cetera. Uh, we just don't, you know, we, it, it takes a lot longer to find the right people. Um, I mean, we, matter of fact, um, we went on a, a job search for a position, uh, last year, it took us seven months to find the right person. And we were just committed to like, we are not mm. making, uh, the wrong decision here because our, our philosophy has always been higher slow because, um, you know, and it, if you bring on someone that you feel confident in, you don't have to like your team is not having to be your QA for that person. Like you're not having to bring on someone and then have your team be like, this ain't working. Mm -hmm. Like it's causing us issues. Like to me, that's the leadership responsibility is to make sure that like you're bringing on people who, you know, they're a perfect fit uh, circling around hole before they ever get to the team stage. So what we do on a practical level is, you know, job description is important. You got to put in what your requirements are there. Um, and then you filter from there, make sure that people that are applying meet those requirements. But then at the next stage, um, before we even get into like real technical nitty gritty, especially for engineering roles, 
um, we do culture screenings. So like, um, you know, we'll get on a call where we have, we'll have people from all over the company, stakeholders that they would work with regularly, right? Five or six people. Um, and we ask questions. Some of them are bizarre. Like one of them is my favorite. We got it from Zappos and we asked, what's your favorite cuss word? Use it in a sentence. <laughs> and like, that is not going to fly with some people and that's totally okay. Sure. But you would not get along well in our organization. Yeah. If that, you know, let's say that bothers you to be around or something like that is okay. We wouldn't want you to be in an environment you're not comfortable around yeah. either. Right. Um, but if you're going to be here, we, sh- that's the kind of stuff we need to align around. And it's not like, that's not even saying like you got to cuss to get along with us at all. It's saying like, what are your, what are the things that are really important to you? Because if it's in, if that uh, is an environment you're uncomfortable in, it wouldn't be suited for you or us for you to be here. So that's like an example. Another would be, um, uh, you know, like asking what kind of personalities do you work with? Right. You can tell a lot about someone when they answer that question, because um, based on their answers uh, you can typically derive like, um, are they accepting of critical feedback? Cause that is huge for us. That honest communication. I mean, we yeah. back and forth, like, um, there's even times where I'll send surveys, uh, to direct reports where I'm like, and I'll make it anonymous, like, tell me where I can do better as a manager. You know, like, what am I dropping the ball on? What do mm-hmm. you, where do you feel supported? Where do you not? That kind of stuff. Um, so someone has to be really comfortable with that kind of stuff too. Uh, you know, and, some people are hard around the edges. That's not necessarily a problem, but you you have to be able to rein that in with stuff like critical feedback. You have to be able to take that well. So again, we do culture screenings before we ever get to the technical stuff. And then it's like, okay, we know that like you could fit in here, uh, you know, and then it's, are you like apt enough or have enough of the technical skills we're looking for to be a fit for this position? And if you're not, we may even keep you on a list to look at later for something else, you know, because you're a good culture fit. Um, but that's kind of how we do it. And again, it's a slow and sometimes grueling process, especially in a competitive market, but that's how we do it. Yeah. It sounds like culture is really important to you. Mm. Yeah. Huge. Um, I, I don't even want to say me. I think I confidently speak for me and both of my co-founders that like it, it's something we've been really, uh, cognizant of from the beginning because I have seen firsthand what happens when a non-culture fit poisons the well. Mm. And, uh, it's a dangerous environment. Like, it literally can be, or even figuratively, where you have someone who is not aligned on what that mission is or that North Star. Um, and if they, it just takes one person to kind of be like the the cultural kink in the wheel where it causes issues for everyone else. And that can have like an exponentially poor effect on everything. Efficiency, people's happiness at their jobs that were previously happy, Um so yeah, we over-index the culture for sure. Yeah, And it's got to be even more so under microscope for startups, right? Like yeah. hires just being either detrimental or highly um, advantageous for your growth. At a startup, yeah. it's got to be even more so when you say. Oh yeah, I mean, because every, especially in like a high growth setting, every hire matters and that can be positively or negatively, right? So if you, when you're a smaller company, um, if you just think about it statistically, if you got 10 people and you bring on one and they're a bad apple, that means 10% of your company mm-hmm. is not aligned with what you're doing. That's a problem, right? That's a lot, yeah. So that, that's where it's like even more paramount. The bigger you get, like um, you can have like slip ups here and there because you're going to have people hiring other people and like it's almost impossible to get that perfect every time at scale, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, but that's where it really matters is when you're building that first 50, hundred people where, uh, you got to make sure that everyone is rowing the same direction. Yeah. This has been really, really cool. I'm, I'm loving this. Do you mind to talk a little bit about, you know, if there's anything soundtrap wise you want to promote real quick in, in sure. any other way, some folks can maybe get in touch with you or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have like, I would say too, that Soundstripe, again, even though we're remote and we have employees all over the place, like we are in Nashville. We're mm-hmm. in East Nashville. Uh, our headquarters is there. Um, I am always down. My email is trevor at soundstripe.com. Um, always down to get coffee and meet new people. Um, and I, I think the the thing I would say more so than anything about Soundstripe is if you're looking for, um, you know, we, we've hired everything from um, junior to senior level engineers. And the going back to that culture piece and that North star, the thing we look for the most in engineering is, you know, are you willing to, um, are you aligned with our culture first, but then are you willing to get in, get your hands dirty, learn with us, uh, tackle exciting problems. Like we are, we have, um, even though we're a music library, what we are as a company is we're a record label and a publishing company that owns our distribution, which is Mm soundstripe.com. And, through that, it affords us a lot of opportunities. Like we can, uh, we get really interesting uh, and creative avenues to explore uh, selling or distributing our music. And we get to kind of flex our text chops there, right? Like we, uh, we've built a proprietary machine learning algorithm that um, is a song recommendation engine, similar to like what you'd see on Spotify, their daily mix, stuff like that. Um, we have that running under the hood. We're solving all types of really cool problems. And uh, a lot of the people on our staff actually are former or still uh, musicians. So there's a lot of creative blood here at Soundstripe. And if that interests you, I would highly encourage you to check out our career page at soundstripe.com uh, or again, reach out and connect at Trevor at soundstripe.com. It just confirmation for what you're doing. And I was just reminded literally right before you came on the air with us, we were talking about two different friends of ours that we have that have been professional musicians or whatever, and you know a million of them, but that have gone kind of the uh, maybe toured with pop artists or whatever and had a pretty sure. good income for a short amount of time. Sometimes really good income, right? But right. they've gotten to this point in their life where I can't do that anymore. And, you know, it's not in that 1% of like the Beavers or the Katy Perry. So they need a way to make money in music. It's what they do. It's like they can't imagine doing anything else. And totally. you all are literally building that in between and have built that in between of what we were just talking about. So that's it's it, 10 minutes before you came on. That's so that's wild. like, I love what you're doing. And especially even just like within Nashville, right? I mean, it's such a close knit community here. We were talking about that earlier. So we appreciate you being in Nashville. It's awesome. Hey, it was great to meet you guys. I appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that this is something Nashville needs is like more community around this type of stuff. And mm-hmm. we have, there's a lot of really cool companies doing some interesting stuff here that aren't necessarily the, you know, the large companies that have been here a long time. There's a lot of new new blood popping up they're doing interesting things so i'm just glad to be a part of it and i I appreciate you letting me have a voice here absolutely we appreciate you thanks for your time thanks for coming on we'll be in touch yeah Yeah, awesome thanks thanks sir see See you see you